Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Thank you for the listen, for the stream, for the download, for taking a chance on another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Do me a favor and give me the rub. It's so easy. First, if you have zero money, if you don't have a dollar to your name, then do me the biggest favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on iTunes and leave a review and a ranking. It helps more than you could possibly know on iTunes. Uh, And if you're doing any shopping this week, you're doing it at Amazon, then do me a favor and go to notsam.com slash Amazon. It's the same Amazon website. It's the same great prices. It's the same cost. Everything is exactly the same, but a kickback instead of all going to Jeff Bezos goes to Sam Roberts and this here podcast. It helps me keep the show, the entire back catalog, everything for free. It's on the house. So help me out, will you? And I'll help you out by giving you another show right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. And here we are from the uh, home studio, the Roberts home studio at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all for for being with me here this week. I hope you were all here last week. The interview with Bray Wyatt was a really, really good one and gave a lot of insight into where he was at. See, that's the thing about Bray Wyatt. Bray fluctuates so much as a superstar in WWE. I want to interview him again just to see how he feels the WrestleMania match was pulled off and how everything since WrestleMania has gone. For me, and I said this right after WrestleMania, I watched it live. And the effects of the video projections on the ring mat were really, really cool. But I don't know how effective they were because if it was a creation of Bray Wyatt's, um, I don't know, Randy Orton didn't really react to it beyond the first time it happened. Uh, so it was kind of ineffective. Um, and, and, you know, we'll get into it in the state of wrestling, what I think of the idea of Bray kind of flirting with this Finn Balor feud without finishing his business with Randy Orton and Randy Orton looking towards Jinder Mahal of all people while still having a Bray Wyatt match coming up on pay-per-view Sunday after next. So we'll get into all of that in the state of wrestling. Uh, This week, we start with another interview as we always do here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Of course, you know my motto from day one, the whole reason why I started doing a wrestling podcast was so that we could have a voice of a wrestling fan who still likes wrestling. A WWE fan that still likes WWE. And if you're one of those people, you're one of my people. I love you for it. I love finding guys on the active roster who are WWE fans. An interesting thing has happened. I was born in 1983. I'm 33 years old. And it's left me in a position where a lot of the people on the current roster 
are guys that grew up around the same time as me. So, you know, growing up, first of all, growing up, you'd watch WWE and it wouldn't be cool for wrestlers to admit that they were fans growing up. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It might be a good thing to tell you the truth, that you wouldn't have guys admitting that they were fans of anybody. A superstar was a fan of themselves. They were there for that. Nowadays, and maybe it's just because of how popular wrestling and WWE got in those uh, in, in the 90s, but nowadays you've got fans that as little kids grew up in that Hulk Hogan era and spent high school in that Stone Cold era, and now it's it, that's the dream that they're living through. Um, and when you talk about guys on the roster, and so I love to talk to those people. I love to talk to people not just about their careers but about their fandom. If you remember when Tommy Dreamer did the podcast months ago, uh, one of the things we talked about was how much he liked wrestling growing up and his experience seeing Bob Backlund at the Westchester County Center. I love stories like that. The Kurt Hawkins podcast, I thought was great because of that. Those are the stories where, to me, I relate to it, and I think a lot of you guys relate to it as well, because it's like, oh, can you imagine what it would be like being on that roster as a person who grew up as a fan? That is why I think Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows connect with so many people. Even though they're bad guys, their fandom for this thing called sports entertainment is so well known and so clear that it becomes really difficult for any of us fans not to watch them and not to enjoy watching them. Um, And Gallows and Anderson take it a step further. Gallows and Anderson are a throwback because, let's be honest, 30 and under did not grow up with wrestling territories. By the time, you know, if you're if you're under 30, that's everybody that was born, what, 87 and beyond? By the time you're into 1990, 1991, it's WWF and it's WCW. A little bit later, ECW. But, but, but the idea of local territories is not something that we necessarily grew up with. It's something I know I, for instance, was a tape trader in high school. So I ended up becoming well-versed on, on the territories through all my tapes. I had I, World-class was my favorite. You know, I had a ton of world-class championship wrestling tapes, but I had Mid-South tapes. I had uh, Florida wrestling tapes. I had everything. Everything. Of course, all the Crockett stuff, all the early stuff that would become WCW, I had everything. And so I became, I, I had to learn it all, though. Gallows and Anderson, like, they come through as fans of that era. You should have seen these guys at WrestleMania. They were like kids in a candy store hanging out with the Rock and Roll Express. If you listen, the last time they were on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, it was the it was right before SummerSlam of last year and they were live at Caroline's on Broadway and one of the things that we came back to multiple times you see the whole video on youtube.com slash not Sam if you want to one of the things we kept coming back to was the Rock and Roll Express so I thought it's at, at Wrestlemania weekend what better tandem to talk to and invite back on the show then Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. We did this interview at WrestleMania Access, so we were sitting inside the Elimination Chamber. That's where they set me up for Access. That's how good WWE is to me and, and anybody that wonders. Well, you know, I was about to say anybody that wonders why I love them so much, but that's wrong. I mean, you go back and listen to when this podcast first started. 
I have never started to give WWE more favorable treatment than I did on the very first episode of the show. Um, so the reason I love WWE so much is because I love WWE, but that love has in turn brought me to this place where they're setting me up in the Elimination Chamber to do this here show for you, which is pretty incredible. You got the first time Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson walking into the Elimination Chamber, and it's happening on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So you've got that. We talk about the Rock and Roll Express, and the stuff that I found really interesting, we talk about Southpaw Regional Wrestling. A lot of questions. Sex Ferguson, Tex Ferguson, it all came up. So here we go. This week's, and, and I apologize if this audio is a little wonky, we did have some recorder issues. That would explain uh, why the audio might not have sounded exactly like my interviews usually do uh, with the Bray Wyatt interview last week. Uh, and, and we may, again, this interview doesn't sound exactly like my interviews usually sound, and I appreciate you rolling with me, but the content is worth it. The content is so worth it. It's so much fun getting to catch up with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, and I did at WrestleMania Access, and I present that to you this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Still looking pretty with those Rolling. headset mics on. <laughs> Gallows and Anderson are back. What's the haps, guys? What's going on, good brother? Uh, good to uh, see you. God. It's good to see you, buddy. We, we were just talking about it's, uh, it's my first foray into the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Here we are in the Devil's Playground. <laughs> I have. I've... I've I've brought you guys your first elimination chamber experience. <laughs> yes, you have. It'll probably be even more painful than you expected. <laughs> I'd love to just, I'd love to take your head and ram it against that fence up there. Let's <laughs> climb it. Yeah. <laughs> they come over. Hey, you guys got more media. Uh, we're we're busy climbing the elimination chamber. Sorry. <laughs> hey, where the hell's Carl? Oh, he's cool. He's climbing up the damn thing. He's, he's on top of the chamber, guys. <laughs> Get him I, down. Can I keep this on me and still climb that son of a bitch? Trying to Kalisto spot right now <laughs> from the top of it. <laughs> is, it, is it a goal, like, obviously, like, you know, a goal would be winning the tag titles, right? But, yes. But are matches, like, like an elimination chamber match, is that something you go, like, you know, before it's all said and done? Something like a ladder match at WrestleMania? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. If there's any way, Gallows, if we could do a tag team elimination chamber with Gallows and I in one chamber. I wouldn't want to stand in that pod with you. You'd be <laughs> farting and belching. <laughs> yes. Awful. The Midnight Express and Cornette and one. The Ricky and, and Robert over here. The Rock and Roll Express and the other. And I'm not talking about in the prime. Now. 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 Yeah, of course. <laughs> the nasty boys. Who's Fuller? The, uh, the, the, the Fantastics. Oh, the Fantastics. Bobby yeah. Fulton. The other. Bobby Fulton. <laughs> the Fantastics. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to be psyched. I mean, I, 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 I mean, time before last that we talked, when we were at Caroline's. Yeah. Wasn't the Rock and Roll Express your tag team? Yeah, yeah. Of Still are. We hung out with them all day yesterday. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. We bought, we bought, we bought uh, Robert Gibson a beer. Gallows bought him one. Is that right? Just, just because we wanted to give him one. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked like he needed a beer. Yeah, yeah he probably did. He's the, kind of brother, he's the kind of brother that enjoys free stuff. He's a guy. He does. He's, yeah. a, he's a brother's brother, you know. <laughs> he is, yeah. All the famers still taking free beer. He probably, yeah, and he probably doesn't mind either the... Uh, some new royalty checks coming in for those Hall of Fame oh, t-shirts. You know, oh, he's, yeah. you know he's loving that, <laughs> yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. he, he was honest about it. He, he, he got some extra signings put onto his, his schedule, and he's asking <laughs> if he gets paid for those. <laughs> I said, I don't know, brother. you got to ask somebody in a higher <laughs> position than me. <laughs> Can I get some of those shirts for my table? <laughs> <laughs> We're the wrong ones to talk to, but <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of hoping, like, before they announced Cornette, 
that yeah. you guys would be inducting. So were we. The rock and roll. <laughs> Did that occur to you that there is a possibility? Because I mean, you put it into the universe, right? Like, yeah, we can old put school it up tag there. teams are your guys' thing. Yeah, we I, love old school tag teams. <laughs> we are like, an old yeah. school tag team. Yeah. I feel like we, we I feel like we started this ball rolling of them coming into the Hall of Fame. I, I kind of feel like we deserve <laughs> a little credit for I mean, yes, they did have legendary careers, but we did bring it up. <laughs> yeah, the powers that be were listening to the podcast. Yeah. And like, oh, no. The Rock and Roll Express are great. And he was, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and they heard my F-bomb. And, yeah. yeah. Heard your F-bomb. You got pay found out, stocks and found out you were fastest the whole time. <laughs> like, Shh, can't save, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're not telling anybody. I still, you know, I don't do this all the time, but, in, you know, Gorilla is uh, the, the entrance. Gorilla, uh, what's sure. it called? The Gorilla. It's where you stand position. before you walk it's out. It's a girl position, yeah. Yeah. It's just still such an interesting place. You have all these these, these powers that be and higher-ups up there, and I see Vince over in the corner, and I, I every now and then I look at him right before we go out, mm-hmm. and I think slowly, I, sometimes, I wonder if he knows yet. <laughs> <laughs> every now you just, I'm, I'm in the middle of stretching, and, and I'm just I just hide behind out. everybody so he doesn't notice and go, that's right. that guy. <laughs> Make sure you keep your tongue in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never lick my lips, ever. Never. <laughs> if, yeah, if he doesn't make eye contact with Vince before, then he's good. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see Vince. I can just, I feel like from what, I'm, from what I've seen from Vince, I can just see him look over and have that all of a sudden it just, something clicks. It's that's what we don't want to happen. He makes eye contact and goes, that's him. <laughs> yeah. oh, hold on. <laughs> and then you get you get a, a a thing from a writer that's like, here's what we want you to do this week. Yeah. Like the bell's gonna ring. And wait you're a second, gonna, oh, guys. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, all of a sudden I'm Jesse. I <laughs> <laughs> would put a blonde wig on you. <laughs> you know Yellow what? <laughs> you know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> so, are you guys? Uh, were you guys? Uh, you had to be pumped to find out that you were uh, gonna become tag team champions of the world. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But especially because at that point it was like it was Gallows and Anderson are winning one week, losing the next week, yeah. winning one, and it's like ah, we're we getting on a roll here. And it's like yeah, we'll put the we'll put the the the, the red and silver on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it was it was cool, and, like, and, it, and some people were saying it was it was weird because it was on like the Royal Rumble kickoff and this and that. But you know there's and it's a it's a it's a joint pay per view. There's a Royal Rumble match. There's what six other matches that. You know, it's just that just happened to be put there, and like it was still an alley. Crowd was great. The match was yeah. fun. And you didn't we're complain. The champions. So. You didn't complain. Cena and AJ should have been put on the pre-show, <laughs> so you guys could have had that. Spot. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. At SummerSlam last year, Cena and AJ were right before our match, and I went, "You've got to be <laughs> how do we follow this?" <laughs> and, and we're dressed up as these stupid doctors coming out holding, oh, Big, yeah, E's, that was... holding Big E's nutsack, <laughs> right? And we follow Cena and AJ's legendary. We're we're, we're, we're about to go out. Mm-hmm. They have this amazing match. I look at him. You got to be kidding. <laughs> what in the hell are we gonna do now? Come back, everybody in the grill is just just clapping away, and we're about to go out here holding Biggie's balls. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I know what you're looking for. Comic relief is on the way. <laughs> John Stewart was in the ring, cut a promo. Yeah, <laughs> we tried to bash his nuts. <laughs> I don't know how we survived that. To be honest. <laughs> how did you get a? Uh, 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 how much? How involved were you in the creation of uh, Southpaw? Regional wrestling. I would like to think that they saw my Sex Ferguson stuff on YouTube, and that's where it came from, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so did you just get approached, like, guys, we're going to do a web series? Yeah, they came up to us, like, a month or two into being here and started talking about this, and I was like, hold on, this is up my alley, we have to do it. And then it took a long time to actually do it. And the fun thing you about call up Cabana, they're watching the DVDs, <laughs> Cabana. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, right? They, um... They were like, we got there, and they're like, hey, we kind of want you guys to do this. And I was like, you know, we're very agreeable, very easy to work with brothers, but we were kind of like, nope. 
we have to do it our own way, and we have to do it off the top of our heads, and it made it so much cooler. And better, yeah, I thought. yeah, no, that, that was it. They, they just the guy had a vision and just said, and just I mean, we went to a really cold warehouse, like a car warehouse. Yeah, it was Chad too bad was shoot miserable the entire time, complaining. <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing this? This is stupid. Was and he then doing he came with, out and it's awesome. Is he complaining with the wig on? <laughs> yes, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> His green jacket. <laughs> and, and then there was other carny stuff going on. They rented this big warehouse that had that had cars, a car. Warehouse like Dean Martin's yeah. car was in there, and like all these, I don't know, famous cars. Yeah, whatever. It felt like Fast and the Furious style. This one guy was renting his car to the, to the warehouse guy, and the, and the, the car he took guy. A, he took the pay and ran away. And then the other guys <laughs> like, well, I didn't get any money. And like it was like a, so it was awesome. Actual, <laughs> there was actual carny drama going on. Yeah, so right. Film this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just film those guys arguing over who's getting paid for this. Well, I asked was, was he ran yeah. off with my payday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's a, yeah, you know, Milwaukee's Milwaukee. It's just, so, you know, probably been walking there. No, it's just, it, was, it was freezing and it was dark and it just sucked, man. It did. Yeah. <laughs> it did not. So you hate South Ball. No, no, no. I love South Ball. Right. I'm about, it was dark and I'm, I'm talking about the, the city. He was right. just in a bad mood. I was in a bad mood. Yeah. That's about Chad Too Bad was pretty cool because I was mad. So I guess we, so Chad Too Bad is the heel in all this. Yeah. He's yeah. running down the town like... Let me tell you something, Milwaukee. I've been to colder and darker places, but I don't remember when. <laughs> How do I not have a dressing room here? The depths, <laughs> the depths of Milwaukee. I can't even turn the lights on in here. It's cold. It's wet. It stinks. I hate this. <laughs> I think the second we cut those promos, though, we were like, oh, we started man, having a blast. This is, this is fun. And there, yeah. was, and there was no script or anything. Like Stone Cold called us the other day, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and put it over to the. We moon. keep telling everyone. Yeah, really, yeah. Stone Cold <laughs> called us. By the way, any any, any text messages? Just well, deer pics too. What, <laughs> what did the phone call sound like? <laughs> they said, I just want to tell you something. I've been watching that South Paul shit. So it, it is hot, dude. I'm having a good time over here. <laughs> I told your damn partner over there that that day. <laughs> it's actually a GD bother. I told your GD partner over there that <laughs> that, uh, that, that extended laugh you had at the end of that chat, too bad segue. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> <laughs> he was giggling himself. Yeah, he popped himself. Was it uh was uh was moving from tech from sex to tax? Was that something that you well, knew just kinda had to happen? This is to... something that I'm gonna disclose here on the Sam Roberts show. Good. That I haven't discussed. Good. Everyone on Twitter is giving me heat about tax not being sex. Right, we but like sex. We don't like tax. Yeah. This was my call, though, because I'm like, in this PG era, this PG realm, if, if tax is ever going to do anything, if he's ever going to be seen on television, he can't be acting like sex. Sex right. is a real pain in the you-know-what. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not a PG guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. ca- character-driven. That's good stuff. <laughs> right. So you're thinking, I want to get text on TV. I want to get some merch. I want to... <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Sex is trying to have a run. So he changed his name to Tex. Yeah. Sex is a real guy. <laughs> this is all still the guy. Oh, my God. So, so That's sex how is <laughs> Yeah, because sex is trying to carny his way into sex a Sex is trying to brother himself a spot. <laughs> so he changes the name to sex. A couple paydays, you know. <laughs> They'll never know it's me. I'll change his name. I actually like it, too, though, because, like, instead of dropping F-bombs and GD-bombs for no reason, he's he's having, a, he's having to just, you know. You have to think. Yeah, it's actually, you know, not cussing. It's actually, I was laughing more. Yeah. So when you, and, and are you nervous about, like, how the final product is going to look? You know what I mean? Like, like meaning, like, you know that there is no script. You know that uh, that they let you kind of do whatever you want, and it was fun shooting it, but, like, you're not editing it. Well, I think the most fun I had was it's cool to see us do that because we love doing it and it's so fun. 
but I had no idea about these other characters, like John Cena as Lance Catamaran and Chet Chatterfield Fandango. It was hilarious. When, 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 like, are, like Fandango and John Cena friends or something? Like, I, I, I don't know. Isn't that amazing? It was great. I mean, they were though, they yeah. were hilarious. Like yeah. Fandango was, uh, man, I couldn't get enough. <laughs> like I could have just watched him all day. Like, Fandango's a funny guy, anyway. Like if, yeah. you, if you get to know him at all, like I've seen them two fist fight. You know, Bart attacks in the weirdest fist a, fight of all time. It's a friendly little fist fight. <laughs> Gallows throwing haymakers. Fandango ducking. Gallows gets tired, and Dango goes, "You want to throw hands?" <laughs> and they just stop. But it's, it's pretty awesome. But Dango's. Dango's was a funny guy, you know. I think we knew that Southpaw would be good because there was no scripts, man. I think yep. we're both better off the fly anyway. We are. Yeah. We're good. Uh, Bruce off the cuff brothers. Bruce that was great. Bruce that was, awesome, was great. <laughs> tell you, Breeze got me popping the most. Breeze I mean, was good. The, <laughs> mustache, mustache, the mustache coming, coming off. off. Do we know who the sea monster is? No, I don't. Know. I actually don't know. Oh man, I, I gotta know. ask somebody that. I was gonna get my second Southpaw scoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how sex is trying to get a run. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I gotta get a run, boy. <laughs> I gotta figure something out here. Pull the wool over their eyes. Get some paydays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so sex is not. <laughs> you sold out, sex. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting paid. You're not. Boy. Yeah. He's gonna slip it's, up. Sex. It's like when Bad News Allen turned into Bad News Brown. Just, you know, I gotta get in there somehow. He's trying to get that payday. Right. Sex is gonna over, brother. Somewhere. Oh, you know he is. <laughs> like he's just trying to get up north. Find him office. pass out in the elevator. <laughs> Drink at the pool. They miss a signing. Oh man. So, uh, how do you guys feel? Going into a, a ladder match at WrestleMania, number one, I, my reaction to it was, I feel like the tag match was the perfect match to put a ladder in, because number one, I think it adds a little bit of meaning. Like everybody yep. in the match has been metaphorically climbing the ladder, yep. and number two, it's like it does mix it up because you, the three teams, we've seen them on Raw yeah. a lot, you yeah. know, wrestling yeah. each other in yeah. various incarnations. This is now totally different, and it probably helped. Make sure that it stayed on the on the on the main show as opposed to the pre-show. That's the first yeah. thing we said. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, I mean, you look at WrestleMania and what WrestleMania is and what it's all about and how big it is and how cool it is. But for the tag teams, the tag team moments in the history of WrestleMania have been these big ladder matches. So, yeah, you know, that's what you want to be in, and to get that, we were we were excited about it. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like when the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian and the Hardys may have those awesome, yeah. you know, those awesome three-way ladder matches, man. Like you know, that's stuff that. Everybody remembers. Yeah, you know, stole the show in those years, and so it's just cool to be thrown into that, and and to have something like that that you know is going to be an, an impactful, meaningful match. Yeah, yeah, because because like, people are like, you know, nobody in that match is a, like a ladder guy. You know right. what I mean? But then like, I think it makes it more interesting, kind of. Yeah, I do because it's not like the Dudley Boys are ladder guys. I mean, we're those guys, right? They just love climbing up and down. <laughs> you know, and, and we're those guys. Brothers up top again. <laughs> Were, were, were those guys ladder guys before, you know, their first ladder match? Right, know, yeah. Guys, you know? Now, so. are you, but is it like, you're like, okay, we're really going to have to hurt ourselves you in know, this match now? I think there's always a chance for uh, to get hurt, but I don't think we have to go, you know, we're, we're going to go insane, of course, but I mean, yeah. I, I don't I fear death. I think our adrenaline's going to be pumping out of our minds, and I think that it'll probably be one of those things that, 
like it'll be done so quickly that we'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we just did that. Because like stuff like that seems to fly when you're actually doing it. I think. Right. So, right. I'm looking forward to just I, my, the the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is walking out. That entrance is fun. In, yeah. Just soaking in the fact that we're at Wrestle Freaking Mania, and, and then what, you can walk back after the match and pass the Rock and Roll Express and go follow that boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, Give me part of your payday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's like Robert Gibson said they they said they wanted him for Raw and he goes I, I didn't bring my gear. <laughs> I said where Ricky's who won't fit. <laughs> I, I didn't bring my gear. I didn't bring my gear. <laughs> I can't wait to go back to the hotel and hang out with them all day. That's what this trip is about. It's like all right, let's get media row. Like all right, I'll do the early morning media. Robert, where are you? Because <laughs> Gibson's not waking up before eleven anyway. So I'll, do, I'll get the media done early so I can get back to the oh, bar. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Well, hey, God, you want to go to the gym now? <laughs> it's it's just so cool to be a part of, like, you know, I, I talked to you when, when Bullet Club was running hot yeah. the first time. And then, you know, when Gallows had come over, we, you know, 2014 was sweet for when AJ came into the Bullet mm-hmm. Club. And, uh, you know, doing eight Tokyo Domes in a row. It's just cool to be doing WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania, Ultimate Thrill Ride, streaming live on the thought. WWE Network. Yeah. What do you think happens next? You got, like, uh, uh, it's surreal. Yeah. Now you've got rumors that, like, AJ may end up on Raw at some point. Who knows? Yeah. But we know Ferg's coming back, right? I mean, Finn yeah. Balor's coming He's back. coming back. Yeah. We was at, I saw you guys at the uh, at the last White Plains show. Yep. And and Finn Balor was on the card. You guys are yeah. on the card. You're sharing a locker room yeah. again. He's good. He's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, actually ro- I actually rode. I actually ride jumped on him. I, I, I skipped out with Gallows and rode with Ferg. A little heat between me and him for a week. Is that right? <laughs> not a little heat. Big heat. <laughs> <laughs> How come you can't ride with them? I guess I'm not cool enough. It's not, you're not there yeah. yet. No. Uh, well, actually, Big Show made him ride with them. I drove the Big Show. <laughs> it's fun, though. It's like he has right. great stories. <laughs> big Show does? Oh, yeah. man, yeah. Because yeah, he's been around forever. He was in the rock and roll era, you know? Like, the stuff he's saying, like... Can't repeat it, but it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he came up to us and asked if we wanted to, you know, ride with him one weekend. We were like, yeah, we said, oh hell yeah, we want to jump in that car with you. You know, then I think he rode with us and goes, Jesus, these boys are nuts. <laughs> I'll, well, yeah, I'll, I'll the guys, the guys that have seen some stuff must like love you guys because they know that you're just like, you just want the stories. Like, we're just, you, you just, we're just like old school brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to think that we're brothers, brothers, and that yeah, the old school guys do they tend think, to appreciate. Yeah, they kind of like us. I think you are too. Yeah, and you, you found some. You found some good brothers in WWE. They sure did, yeah. And there's a lot of good brothers here now. It's a good locker room. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you for uh, for swinging by. Always a pleasure, man. It's always our favorite stop. Thanks yeah. for inviting us but into Especially your when we're in the elimination I mean, chamber. Let's look around at all these other people sitting at their yeah. tables. Really you're you're inside of an elimination chamber. You guys finish up. I'm going to climb this son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Thanks, all right, man. buddy. Thanks. Here is Sam Roberts. How amazing, amazing is it to hear that Lou Gallows is so entrenched in the Sex or Tex Ferguson character that he has a rationale as to why that character would change his name once he got up north. If you haven't seen the stuff that he did uh, for with, with uh, Colt Cabana's documentary, you got to check that out and check out the, the podcast I did with Colt Cabana at the same time. Um, and just go online, look up Sex Ferguson, and you can see where I think a lot of the ideas for Southpaw Regional came from. And that was from the stuff that, that, that Gallows was doing. It's just so great to know, to know that this isn't contrived, this, the, the, the Southpaw stuff, and, and the whole gimmick. 
of Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. It's not something that's contrived. It's not something that's created. It's not something that is put forward because uh, some person in a suit thinks that fans will relate to a tag team that is obsessed with regional 80s wrestling. No. No. There are two men working for WWE that are obsessed with regional 80s wrestling. And those two men are known as the Good Brothers. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Of course, that interview would happen days before the Hardy Boys made their grand return to the WWE, which I will talk about uh, in the state of wrestling, where they're at right now with the broken mat gimmick. But before we get there, um, I was reading a couple of couple of figures about WrestleMania this year, and it's something to keep in mind. So the first figure that came out was that WWE made something in the neighborhood of $4 million dollars in merchandise over WrestleMania weekend. Four million dollars. Not, I guess, I mean, it's a huge figure, but not the biggest surprise. The the WrestleMania store, for you guys that have never been to WrestleMania, the WrestleMania Superstore is always, for me, a highlight of the whole experience because it's always huge. They have always got tons of stock. They have shirts. They got toys. They got belts. They have ever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Titles. They have everything you could possibly imagine everything i had to uh, i i bought a bunch of stuff there including a fanny pack i've never used it i don't know it just seemed like a good idea at the time i had to i had to ship a box back to my house because it wouldn't fit on my carry-on that's how much stuff i got but with that store being open all weekend with with a hundred thousand people i'm sorry i guess seventy five thousand people being packed into a stadium it's no surprise that they're selling millions of dollars worth of merchandise. But the reason why I bring that up was because at the same time, there is a figure that is out there right now on the internet, as it were, that the WrestleMania stage, which was by far the most impressive WrestleMania set I've ever seen. One of my greatest memories of this year's WrestleMania is because I was working, I was there early in the day. And... I got the opportunity to not only go down to the ring and hang out and, and see what was going on, but I actually walked up from the ring to the top of the 80-yard ramp that was insta- installed in the Citrus Bowl, and it was it was amazing. I don't know if anybody that wasn't there will ever be able to do justice to how massive this thing was. I was look, granted, I don't have the greatest cardio in the world, but I was winded by the time I got to the top of that stage. Um, and then at the top of the stage, there's the globe, there's the giant ring that was on top of the structure that was built over the WWE ring. There's the roller coaster made of lights. There's everything, all the pyro. Well, I guess the pyro might not be part of this figure. But it was an incredible, incredible set. It was the first time I've ever seen a gorilla position, you know, the area right before you walk to the ring was on a different floor. You had to walk up the stairs or take an elevator to get upstairs to the gorilla position. That's how massive this thing was. They spent, reportedly, WWE spent $5 million building the WrestleMania set. $5 million. You know what kind of faith, and and granted, they know what their network numbers are for the most part. They know what their ticket sales are at that point. But you talk about spend money to make money. 
You talk about putting forth a grand presentation. They spent five million dollars to make sure that WrestleMania looked like the coolest thing that had ever happened in wrestling. And more power to them. I love seeing that. When, when To me, and maybe some disagree, I don't. To me, that is money well spent. When you're spending that kind of money to make sure that the, the stage that you're presenting your product on is so grand that nobody is even going to come close, that's worthwhile. That is a worthwhile investment. And, you know, so, so it's like you have this astronomical merchandise figure, something like $4 million, and you haven't even covered the stage yet. It took them something like a week and a half, two weeks to build this thing. They had the stadium that long. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible feat. Um, and not only was it effective in the execution, but I just, I love the philosophy that WWE has to spend, that is spending money to make money. A lot of companies, especially once they go public, especially as they get more successful, do not keep spending money. A lot of companies that are public that are successful companies want to put the highest profit number in their books so that all their shareholders are happy so that that stock goes up because when that stock goes up it makes everybody rich wwe could have gone cheap and just decided okay well it's going to look like this wrestlemania is a huge financial success if we spend a tiny amount of money on the set but long term then you're waiting till next year or you're sitting there and you're going, man, I remember when WrestleMania was a big deal. And that's that's just the, the vibe you don't want to have. But that's long-term thinking. That's smart. That's outside of the box. And that's long-term thinking that you would think would go, well, of course they're going to have an amazing set. But I'm telling you. I'm not even talking about wrestling companies. I'm talking about business. I'm talking about companies in general. Companies in general do not, a lot of them do not spend money to make money. And it's a shame. It's a shame. It's, and to me, it's one of the things that creates the difference between a successful company and a company that is not all that successful. Um, but it's one of those things that you got to see up close and personal to really get a gauge on. And the only way to get up close and personal to get a gauge on something like the WrestleMania set is to be at WrestleMania. But you're probably sitting there going, Sam, I want to go to WrestleMania. How, how, how is a person like me supposed to get tickets? Well, I understand. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time now. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that wrestling show, for that game, for that concert, whatever it is that you want to go to. And none of the older ticket sites really want to change that. But this is where SeatGeek is different. It's so genius. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. So if I were to buy tickets from a secondhand person or, or retailer, this is, this is where I would go. And I'll tell you why. Because I am a thrifty boy. I am a person that doesn't like to spend extra money. If something's worth spending money on, I'll spend money on it. I would spend money on a WrestleMania set. But if I wanted to buy a lighting rig for that WrestleMania set, I'd make sure that I got the best price on that lighting rig. And that's what SeatGeek does. SeatGeek, you put the app on your phone, it's super easy, 
and they do all the price comparisons for you. They search multiple ticket sites. They make sure that you get the best possible deal, and and they let you know if you know if you want tickets that are more expensive because they're better seats, you can just get better seats. If you want to find the best deals, there's a grading system. It's an amazing, amazing thing. You can get the best seats. You can get the best deals, and you can make sure that there's not going to be any place on the internet that is going to be better. Best of all. Listeners to my show, listeners to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast are going to get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. You got to hear this. Get your $20 now. You're already getting a good deal. You get another $20 off by downloading the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. You're going to say, what's the promo code? Sam, S-A-M. And SeatGeek is going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's unbeatable. Download the SeatGeek app now and enter promo code SAM, promo code SAM, S-A-M, today. I would recommend it. My goodness. So much going on in the world of, uh, of, of wrestling, but WWE specifically. I don't know. I didn't watch TNA this week, I suppose. Um, I, I probably should, but... In terms of news, you know, I, I try to see if people are talking about it, and it's kind of been all quiet over on the TNA front. Um, but I will tell you that it has been anything but quiet since the uh, since the superstar shakeup went down. People are finally debating, and it was going on on my Twitter at Not Sam. I was reading my mentions uh, as I was watching Raw and SmackDown this week, but mainly SmackDown. Because that's when you had, this was the first real week of the two shows with their new rosters going head to head. And there was finally a debate as to whether uh, the Raw or SmackDown was a better show. Ever since the brand split, there's been no debate. Everybody has felt like SmackDown ratings, whether ratings displayed or otherwise, everybody that I speak to online and in my life has felt like SmackDown is a far superior show. I have felt like SmackDown has been a far superior show. But this was the first week that the debate opened up after the shakeup as to which show was better. You had to look at SmackDown with an open mind this week, that's for sure. Give me that open mind. And let's start at the state of wrestling this week with an open mind. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. How about it? I don't like to be braggadocious, but I've got to tell you, there is one explanation why Jinder Mahal is all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this is a guy who was very, very close, if not full-on, an enhancement talent. This is a guy who, as much as we all love Kurt Hawkins here, it was clear to me that was traded in exchange for Kurt Hawkins to Raw. Yet, one week after the trade happens, one week after he is discussed at length here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and you go back to last week's State of Wrestling if you don't know what I'm talking about. One week goes by, and Jinder Mahal is being treated like what? The superstar of the millennium. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? After my solid pitch for Sinkara and Jinder Mahal to be the tag team of the millennium, 
only to separate. Jinder Mahal, they take it a step. They go, you know what? We're going to skip the tag team, and we're just going to push this kid, strap the rocket on the back, and push him to the moon. And my podcast doesn't hold any weight. Okay, okay, yeah. Am I a shill for WWE, or is WWE a shill for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast? Have you ever seen... And this is going back to Miz and Participation Awards. This is going back to Natalia and Tanya Harding. Have you ever seen a podcast get it right so many times? So many times. Storylines that one would one would think ridiculous. Jinder Mahal, superstar of the millennium. Oh, what's that? He's going to headline the next SmackDown pay-per-view? Oh, what's that? He's the number one contender? For the WWE Championship. But I thought he was just getting squashed to Finn Balor. No. No. You got it wrong. I got it right. Jinder Mahal. I'll take full credit. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. You talk about RKO out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Jinder Mahal becomes the number one contender. I saw the tweets. Some people love it. Some people hated it. Some people felt like... It was a jump-the-shark moment for SmackDown, and it turned Raw immediately into a better show. Some people loved it. I'm not so ready to say anything bad about it. I'm, I'm prepared to actually make Jinder Mahal the superstar of the millennium. I mean, look at that body, the vascularity, huh? I'm ready to do it. I don't think that there's anything wrong with taking guys that are are somewhat unconventional, guys that weren't in any title scene and boosting them at all. I think it's cool. I think it makes the product feel fresh. I think we end up with matches that are, are, are new, that we haven't seen before, that we look at with a new lens that we care about differently. Um, generally speaking, it usually takes more than a single match to go from enhancement talent to headlining a pay-per-view for the WWE Championship. Generally speaking, there is a little bit more done to create credibility for a superstar. But hey, maybe we wanted to shock the world. Shock the world. Maybe we wanted to surprise everybody and make Jinder Mahal a the man. I'm not, I'm not against it. Look, everybody loved uh, a three-man band. The Bollywood boys with their bad guy beards are, are, are even better. I don't like, though, that it's, it's kind of, you know, talking, speaking of Kurt Hawkins, Bo- Bollywood boys felt a little bit like the Indian version of the Edgeheads to me, but I was a fan of the Edgeheads. And it made Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins into a mega stars. Zack Ryder, former Intercontinental Champion, won a ladder match at WrestleMania for that title, okay? He started as an Edgehead. And now the Bollywood boys have been renamed the Genderheads. I love the Genderheads. I think the Genderheads are a great team. I think the Genderheads may lead Jinder Mahal to becoming the champion of the world. And why not have a champion of the world that is a little bit worldly? I love that on SmackDown, every main bad guy is a bad guy because they speak more than one language. Kevin Owens, Jinder Mahal, it doesn't matter who you are. Baron Corbin's going to show up speaking Italian next week just to prove that he's a true bad guy yeah i speak two languages too all you stupid fans oh my goodness i got a uh 80 on the spanish regents i guess that makes me a tweener 
I can I can kind of get by with some broken Spanish. Eh, it's not quite a good guy, but not not fluent enough to be a bad guy yet. Okay, I'm right in the middle somewhere. I'm right there. Maybe that's what happened to T.J. Perkins on Raw. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he started speaking Dutch. <laughs> they were like, "Oh boy, this guy speaks Dutch. There is no way, no way that this audience is going to relate to him. We speak one language here, American." Uh, is that a language? American is what we speak. What country are we in? This is Trump's America, baby. You speak more than one language. You are a villain. So Jinder Mahal is the number one contender on SmackDown. A lot happened on SmackDown this week. Uh, in terms of taking guys on Raw that were maybe not making the biggest impact in the world and turning them into real players. Uh, the fact that the Colognes, and again, by the way, Go back and listen to last week's State of Wrestling. Did you hear what I was saying about Primo last week? Huh? Talking about how good he was and how I was noticing, like, Jesus, he is good. And he deserves a little bit more recognition. Now, the Colognes are back. It's not the Shining Stars anymore. Primo and Epico. Not to be confused with his brother, EpiPen. Epico are the Colognes again. And... They beat the American Alpha. Huge. Huge. But look, Jinder Mahal, this match could easily go down in history, you know, because what's the match that everybody thinks of when they find out that Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal are going to go theoretically one-on-one -on -one for the WWE Championship at uh, uh, Backlash, I suppose it is, next month. They think of R-Truth and John Cena. For me, <laughs> look... I liked R-Truth as a bad guy. I liked R-Truth when he was smoking cigarettes. When, when he was being a bad guy. It was like, yeah, this is, this is a classic bad guy. This is like an 80s movie villain bad guy. I didn't mind it. It's odd in hindsight that he was in the main event, but I didn't mind it. This could very well end up being like 2017's throwback to R-Truth versus John Cena when it's Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. On the other hand, who knows? We have several weeks between now and Backlash. Payback is coming up soon. That's the Raw pay-per-view that some of the SmackDown guys are on. But Backlash, no, no, no. Backlash is a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. You do have, now that we know that he's the number one contender, and SmackDown has been doing really interesting things. You know, they've got four or five weeks, whatever it is, to build Jinder Mahal into being somebody that we take seriously as a championship contender. In that time, I think traditional WWE logic would lead us to believe that what the plan would be was in that time to build him and then make him the number one contender. The fact that you've made him the number one contender out of the gate almost shocks this all into our system. Like, it's like, okay, it's a new tomorrow. We are living in the future. And the future has Jinder Mahal as the superstar of the millennium. Let's just get, and maybe it's the willennium. I don't know for sure. But let's just get it out of our heads that Jinder Mahal is anything except somebody that's going to be in the main event of a pay-per-view. Because he's going to the main event. And you go, okay, I guess that's the world. If I'm going to watch USA... 
or whatever. You know, I know some of you guys, are, some of you international people. If we're gonna watch SmackDown every Tuesday night on whatever channel it's on, USA and America, ironically, no pun intended, I suppose, then that's the reality that we live in. Okay, and now we're almost working backwards in the sense that we're going to spend the next four or five weeks learning and having it proved to us that Jinder Mahal is a serious contender. We live in a crazy, crazy time for sports entertainment, especially for the SmackDown brand. The SmackDown brand is the brand of let's see if it works. Let's try some weird stuff. Let's throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. I cannot sit here at this moment and tell you Jinder Mahal is not the next WWE champion. I can't tell you that. I can't sit here and say that the Jinder heads are not going to get involved at Backlash and cost Randy Orton the WWE championship. I can't say that. I can see a reality where that happens. And is it a little, I wouldn't go so far as to say jingoistic, but are the storylines getting a little bit ethnocentric? Sure. But are we as a society, especially in America, getting ethnocentric? Yeah. What about the United Kingdom who just signed Brexit? Is the United Kingdom, maybe in broad terms, and I don't want to offend anybody because I'm not saying we're all Trump supporters, we're, not, we're all Brexit supporters, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you look at what elections are showing us throughout our country and throughout our world, is the world becoming a little bit more ethnocentric? I think so. For better or worse, I think so. So maybe that should be reflected in WWE. Maybe that should be reflected in the world of sports entertainment. And maybe that should be reflected in some of these villains, specifically Jinder Mahal and, of course, his trusty Jinder heads. Um, I'm... I don't, I, the word excited isn't right. It's somewhere between excited and apprehensive. Whatever word is right in between excited and apprehensive. Apprited. I am apprited to find out exactly how this Jinder Mahal story is going to be told. I'm excited in the sense that it's a story that I haven't been told before. I'm apprehensive in the sense that I've been living under the assumption that Jinder Mahal is a very impressive-looking enhancement guy. So I'm ready to live in a world where he isn't. I'm ready to live in a world where he is the superstar of the millennium, as I pitched him to be. Um, you know, I feel bad for Sankara. I feel like his spot was taken by the Jinder heads. That said, I'm a fan of the Jinder heads. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Jinder Mahal, but I'm ready. F I'm look. The thing about me and WWE is, I'm always ready to watch it succeed. I have anybody that's seen the YouTube videos I've shot in my house or the Facebook lives I've done or whatever has probably noticed I have a shelf of WWE action figures in my living room here, and it's right by where I record. And they're organized. I have to reorganize them. That's why I haven't been on video because it's embarrassing. I've not reorganized them since the Superstar shakeup. But what I generally do is they're, they're somewhat ranked. All the title holders are at the front of the shelf. And towards the back of the shelf are the guys that m maybe I'll never have to put in the front, if that makes sense. Maybe 
they'll never be title holders so that I can kind of leave them in the back. Jinder Mahal is getting moved from the back of the Raw shelf to the front of the SmackDown shelf. Now, if you're SmackDown, you have to be a little bit careful because it's one thing to wear it as a badge of honor and to say, well, we took the Shining Stars and we took Jinder Mahal and these were people that weren't... Tamina would even fit into that too. Tamina, Jinder Mahal... By the way, was I the only one that was perplexed at the fact that Tamina on SmackDown was sitting there looking at Charlotte like she was one of the SmackDown girls that had been waiting for months to get a shot at the title as if she wasn't announced as a SmackDown member, roster member, 60 seconds before Charlotte was. Beyond that. Um, If you take those people and make them stars, then yes, you do wear it as a feather in your cap because SmackDown was able to make stars out of guys that Raw was not able to do. But at the same time, you don't want SmackDown to become that island of misfit toys. You don't want SmackDown to become like, oh, yeah, that's where all the guys that couldn't make it on Raw go to win championships. That's a fine line to walk. You've lost The Miz. You've lost Dean Ambrose. Okay? You're looking at a show where the United States title match, as we speak, is a bigger deal than the world title match. That's an issue to me. That's not something that I think you want to push forward. Brock Lesnar winning the Universal title, if nothing else, brings credibility to that title. It makes it so, okay, that title is impossible to get. And whenever anybody does, you know they've really done something for it. Right now, the WWE Championship, that's the title with all the history, can't be looked at as secondary to the United States title. And that's going to be really, really difficult because the new Kevin Owens is fabulous. SmackDown's Kevin Owens, the fact he shaved his beard, he's wearing a suit, the face on the ramp and the Tron, like, it's just so, so good. I love that, like, they hyped up, you know, the open challenge concept as if we were going back to John Cena's because you remember when John Cena did the U.S. Open Wimbledon Cup Open Invitational Challenge, you had a scenario where you had great matches. That's where Kevin Owens first made his appearance from NXT. That's where Sami Zayn made a surprise appearance. Stardust ended up having an amazing match with John Cena. It was, it was match after match of awesomeness. So you're sitting there watching SmackDown going, this is going to be great. Kevin Owens open challenge. I'm so excited to see. And who do we see but Gary Gandy? And I here's what I, here's what I loved about Gary Gandy. Poor guy. That is a spot that could make a career. Ask James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth was the first enhancement guy of this era. He showed up on one of the first Raws, if not the first Raw, after the original draft split to get squashed by Braun Strowman. So... One and, and he became a hit. I had him on the podcast. I think I was one of the first uh, big podcasts to have James Ellsworth on as a guest. This is before he was signed. It was like, you know, tell me your story. It was a great show. I really enjoyed the interview. But I'm sitting there like, oh, man, is Gary Gandy going to become the next big guy? Is Gary Gandy going to become the next James Ellsworth? But James Ellsworth has done something to the audience 
where I'm sitting there, I tweet out Gary Gandy is my favorite wrestler or something like that, and James Ellsworth has made enhancement guys bad guys. James Ellsworth has brought heat to enhancement guys because James Ellsworth is so good at being annoying on SmackDown right now. Gary Gandy can't be a good guy. Gary Gandy cannot get his shine. Poor fella. So I don't think he'll be back, unfortunately. I loved his tights. Um, But I think everything Kevin Owens doing right now is legit. Uh, I think he needs a new t-shirt next week. First of all, because you can sell a new Kevin Owens t-shirt. Honestly, here's the t-shirt. Put Kevin Owens' face on it. Put some stars and stripes on it and just write the new face of America. Because he can't be wearing KO Mania 2 anymore. WrestleMania's been done for a couple weeks now. But the new face of America, it's fabulous. I just think it's it's so great. And I, I, was, I was thoroughly entertained by Kevin Owens on the show. No big surprise. AJ Styles versus Baron Corbin was an excellent match. And... Yeah, the, the, the latest rumors, and I don't even know why this is news to anybody, is that WWE is very, very high on Baron Corbin. Hey, man, you go back and you look at podcasts. I said something to Baron Corbin. I saw him at WrestleMania, and I told him, I'm like, dude, like, first of all, I enjoyed the match, but, like, I told him, to me, the reason I thought he was doing so well was because he's a real bad guy. There's only a couple of real bad guys. Baron Corbin is one. The Miz is one. And because those real bad guys are so few and far between and they're so good at it, this has become almost a renaissance for people like that. They've really, really been shining. And the rumor is that the WWE is very high on Baron Corbin, which to me is not a rumor. It's not news. Quite frankly, it's no surprise. It's a no-brainer. Um... Anybody that's been watching Baron Corbin, I would hope, can see all the potential that this dude has. He owns his character. He makes you believe it. He makes you believe everything he does. His promos are getting better and better. His matches are good. Yeah, I, I just and, and there's been a nice, slow burn with him, which you don't see too often. He won the Andre Battle Royal what it, you know, last year. And then he spent, you know, before the draft split, a little up in the air. He did fine. He didn't do anything super damaging, but he didn't do anything super great either. Once the draft split happened and he became a SmackDown guy, he started to shine a little bit more. And he was right there, right under the main event. And it was like you could see, anybody watching could see that Baron Corbin is what the future of that main event looks like. So, and, and, and now even more so. I just love that he hasn't been pushed into anything. He hasn't been rushed into anything. It's just been this organic display of how good this dude can be. And so I'm super happy for him. And uh, he deserves it. And, you know, I, I don't believe everything I read on the internet. But I have to believe that WWE sees potentially what they have in Baron Corbin, uh, who's just the best. He's just awesome at what he does, and and I hope they keep him in that exact position that he's in for a long time. I'm curious to see what goes on with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Now that Bray Wyatt is on Raw, 
I think Luke Harper will be fine because Luke Harper is, has subtly changed, right? Luke Harper got the moment to legitimately slip from, uh, split from Bray Wyatt, and he has changed as a character. I don't, I don't see a lot happening for Eric Rowan. To, and, and when I was watching SmackDown this week and I saw Luke Harper and Eric Rowan come out, it felt to me a lot like the the one that uh, uh, that, that happened a couple years ago, like the original split between the two. I mean between the three, the original Wyatt family split where, you know, it looked like Luke Harper had some potential and Eric Rowan was there, but nothing really happened with the guys. I don't know if it's because they just have similar gimmicks, like not enough has changed. And that's why I say, you know, it helps that Luke Harper has physically changed a little bit just in terms of pulling his hair back and the tank top being different. Like it's a little bit different and it might be enough. But, you know, Eric Rowan's mask looks somewhat ridiculous. Um, And I, I worry that there's not enough going on there. I almost feel like Eric Rowan needs a full on makeover. I think maybe the Eric Rowan character needs to go away and he needs to come back as some kind of like, uh, uh, you know, some some other kind of monster. Somebody that stands on his own because otherwise I don't think anybody's going to see him as anything besides the third most powerful member of the Wyatt family. And since the Wyatt family, without Randy Orton, never won any titles, never really hit their potential in my mind, I don't think you want to be the third biggest guy from the Wyatt family. Um, I still think as a performer, he's got potential, but I, I think that, I think Luke Harper's going to be fine. I think Eric Rowan needs something else going for him. Um, moving over to Raw, there's been a lot of talk about Matt Hardy's gimmick. You can tell when he talks that he's probably 30% into broken mode, maybe 35% into broken mode. Um, It's clear to me that the WWE is waiting to pull the trigger on the broken thing for for legal whatever. You know, TNA and Anthem have said that they own, or Impact Wrestling, whatever it's called now, have claimed ownership over the broken character. So I think that WWE is simply trying to figure out what the best move, whether they buy the character, whether they buy a license to use the character, whether they decide that Anthem doesn't own the character at all. I just don't think that they have a word yet on exactly what they can do with this thing because they're not doing one thing or the other, right? Like they're not doing the broken thing, but they're not fully committing to a Hardy Boys retro dream match run. And sooner, much sooner rather than later, they need to do one or the other or the Hardy Boys Act is going to get stale in a hurry. They either need to parade the Hardy Boys from team to team and have a bunch of dream matches or they need to bring back, figure out a way to get the broken gimmick into the WWE universe ASAP. Otherwise, you know, the Hardys will get stale. And it's, you know, I don't want to say, it's unfortunate to say that, but they, they will. They need to figure out what they are and, but I think they will soon. And I think the reason that, that that broken thing has been flirted with is because they don't want the fans to forget about it. You know, Matt Hardy has flirted with the broken thing every single promo they've done. 
So there's no doubt in my mind that that's not something he's just doing on his own. That's something he has full approval to do. But I think that, I hope that they figure out soon exactly what it is that they're doing just so they can commit to it 100% because the character needs that. The character needs to have that 100% commitment behind it. Speaking of characters, I want, I'm talking about Braun Strowman, of course, but I would like to talk about The Miz and Dean Ambrose. Um, I think, uh, so I'm looking at this, right, and the first question that I got on my Twitter account was people saying, well, why would you move two guys from SmackDown to have the same exact feud on Raw? Right? Like, why would you move these two guys who... We've already seen this match. Um, And on paper, I agree with that. But in execution, right now I don't. Because I thought the Miz segment was really great. Yeah, I, I, I think... Well, I'll tell you what I think about the Miz character. First of all, I think the Miz character dipping into stuff that feels like it's real life, that feels like it's Mike Mizanin, criticizing whether it's Dean Ambrose whether it's John Cena really adds to the this character really adds to this idea that he really is a jerk that the Miz is just a jerk I think it's super super smart what's going on with the Miz right now and I think that's one of the reasons why he's he's having such a career high at the moment um and and I think you know this idea of matching them as polar opposites and one should be the guy that the fans like, but one is the guy that the fans like, is is an interesting concept, and it's a story that's been told before, but I think a story that bears repeating, and I think it's a cool way to tell this story. Now, here's what really struck me about the whole thing. Um, people have said for a long time that Vince McMahon is out of touch, that Vince McMahon does not understand his audience, and that Vince McMahon needs to step aside. Vince McMahon, obviously, the creative vision behind all these guys. And Vince McMahon, the person who, if he gets blamed for everything that goes wrong on TV, deserves credit for what goes right. This is what, in my mind, I think we're dealing with a Vince McMahon who is well aware of the audience, that knows the audience, that knows that uh, a huge section of the fans hates a lot of what he does. Some of the fans like what he does, but he's going to do what he thinks is right at the end of the day. And this all came to me because I'm watching this segment with The Miz and Dean Ambrose, and if you haven't seen it, YouTube it or Hulu it or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, this is the genius of Vince McMahon. Vince has figured out that the audience, there is a huge portion of the audience that knows what he's selling and doesn't like what he's trying to sell them. Everything that The Miz said to Dean Ambrose was Vince McMahon's credo. Was it, Sorry, I'm going to go one step deeper. Follow me on this, because it's brilliant. Everything, everything that The Miz said to Dean Ambrose was the internet's idea of what Vince McMahon 
thinks a WWE superstar should be and everything that is wrong with our precious wrestling that has become this bastardized thing called sports entertainment. Everything The Miz was saying is stuff that the internet credits Vince McMahon for saying. And whether it's some writer who's aware of this and is pitching the idea to Vince McMahon or it's, and, and Vince is approving it or it's Vince McMahon himself, on some level, Vince is aware that this is the idea. That, that the Miz saying, I dress like a superstar, I act like a superstar, I do my media appearances, down to, and here's where it really got me. And this is what screamed Vince McMahon at me. Is when... When, when Miz said that Dean Ambrose just looks like a wrestler. Go back and watch the Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network that Vince McMahon was on. Stone Cold Steve Austin interviewing Vince McMahon. I watched it over the weekend because I only like wrestling. <laughs> and my child, but mainly wrestling. I watched it over the weekend because that's the type of guy I am. I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. Listen when Stone Cold talks about wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not a sports entertainment. And Vince is going, oh, come on, Steve. You know you're not a wrestler. You know you're more than that. When Miz said you look like some wrestler, that's a real-life McMahonism in my book. That's Vince McMahon criticizing not Mr. McMahon, the real Vince McMahon that the internet, that the hardcore fans are aware of, criticizing, quote-unquote, wrestlers that don't follow his vision of top sports entertainers. And instead of Vince, if Vince McMahon were truly as out of touch as a lot of people have accused him of being, Miz would be the good guy in this exchange. Because The Miz is putting out there everything that Vince really feels. And if Vince feels that he is 100% right all the time and doesn't care about the audience or is unaware of the audience, then Vince is going to have his good guy delivering his message that he thinks is right. Because the good guy fights on the side of good. The bad guy fights on the side of evil and greed and corporate interest. But Vince is aware. He's aware that that's the interpretation. He's aware that that's how people feel about him and that's how people feel about his edicts. He's aware when his lists end up getting leaked on the internet and people know what words are okay to say and what words are not okay to say. He's aware that people know that he doesn't like it when you call them belts. He likes it when you call them championships. He's aware the primetime Sam Roberts is referring to Jinder Mahal as the superstar of the millennium. Vince McMahon is far more aware than people give him credit for. And that became so clear to me as if it wasn't before. And I know, oh great, Sam is sucking Vince's ass again. Well, so be it. Vince, <laughs> Vince is aware enough of the interpretation that fans have of what he believes is good and whether or not they agree with him he's aware enough of that that he is taking Vince McMahonisms real life Vince McMahonisms 
and giving them to one of his number one bad guy characters in The Miz. You know, this is like, if, if he were truly, truly unaware of, of, of his surroundings, if he were truly, truly out of touch with his audience, then he would have John Cena on TV reprimanding Dean Ambrose and saying, hey, even though John Cena's wearing jorts, he would still, still, John Cena wears those suits with all kinds of stripes on him all the time. He's very, very fashionable. He'd be going to Dean Ambrose and saying, Dean, what are you doing showing up on Total Divas? Wearing hoodies and jeans. You're a superstar. You should be showing up everywhere in three-piece suits. You should look like a superstar. You should act like a superstar. God damn it. But instead, he realizes, he's self-aware enough that he knows how that comes across and he assigns those characteristics to a bad guy. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that, to me, in a nutshell is the brilliance of Vince McMahon. Has he done things that are out of touch? Yes. Yes. Look at the build to WrestleMania 30. Look at the build to WrestleMania 31. Yes. He's done things that prove he is out of he has been out of touch. Yes. But is he generally out of touch? Is he an out of touch person? I've got to disagree because of this moment. This moment to me does not happen as a result of the same person that the stuff that proves how truly crazy out of touch he is happens. It's not the same. It's not the same guy. So I think Vince deserves a certain amount of credit for that. And I was, uh, I was impressed by that. Um, on the other hand, it's amazing watching Braun Strowman. And I theorized that this could happen. I theorized if you go back to the podcast that I was doing pre-WrestleMania when it became clear that Braun Strowman didn't have a WrestleMania match and had lost to Roman Reigns right before WrestleMania, I said, you know, we could have a scenario where Roman Reigns is simply getting this push to head into WrestleMania and the Braun Strowman push gets put on the back burner for a little bit you know, coming off of uh, whatever the pay-per-view was right before WrestleMania. February and March, last half of February and March is not Braun Strowman's time. And then as soon as we get done with that, once we hit April, once WrestleMania is over, then we start the Braun push even harder than ever. And that's what we saw last week in a segment that got a louder reaction from the fans in the building than anything else that was on Raw. And by God, it was a pre-tape. It wasn't even something that happened in the building. In the arena, I should say. It happened, you know, in the building, but just not in the arena. That got the loudest reaction because it was something happened to Roman Reigns. And and this match with the Big Show where the ring broke, and I understand, you know, people are like, don't, you know, we've seen that before. Don't you remember when Big Show and Brock Lesnar did that? Of course everybody remembers that. Nobody's saying this is the first time it's ever happened. If anything, it was like uh, an homage to that incident, but to, it was it was a super strong way to end the show. It was uh, uh, really cool. It was really well done, and it was effective. It made people talk, and it made people take notice, and it is cool to see two guys fall down, and then the ring falls apart. Also, I think John Cone almost got beheaded. I'm pretty sure referee John Cone 
uh, might not have survived, and he may be in the same physical rehabilitation center that Roman Reigns is right now. I don't know for sure, but it's not looking good after that fall. It's awesome to see the ring break. That's what people, like, like sometimes you just have to strip it down to the bare basics. To see the ring break on wrestling, that's awesome. Do you think it's awesome if the ring breaks? Yes. Yes, I do. The risk with Braun Strowman is, and I think it could happen, in your effort to make Roman Reigns the number one guy, you might be making Braun Strowman your number one guy. You know, in an effort to build up a guy strong enough to be a serious opponent for Roman Reigns, you're building up a guy so strong that everybody loves him. You're building up a guy so strong that you're looking at the, at the dude who is doing what you want your other dude to be doing. The reason to build up Braun Strowman so strong is so that Roman Reigns has somebody to tangle with who, who is unbeatable. Who, who, if Roman Reigns can beat him, will, will add credibility to Roman. But what you're doing instead is not necessarily setting up a scenario where fans are going to cheer for Roman and the idea that he can beat Braun Strowman. Instead, you're going to have fans even more upset because with all the stunts, with all the TV time that Braun Strowman is getting, because let's be honest, he got a ton of segments this week on Raw, with everything going on and with everything he did to Roman Reigns last week, you're dealing with a scenario where Braun Strowman is slowly becoming your number one good guy on Raw. That's what's going on. And if that's the goal, then more power to you. But something tells me that that ain't the goal. Okay? When you were building up El Gigante, the giant Gonzalez, to wrestle The Undertaker, granted, the giant Gonzalez couldn't wrestle, but there was no risk of Giant Gonzalez getting cheered because he was made to look strong, but not that good. He was made to look strong, but but uh, not in a almost in a cowardly way. He would still use shortcuts. He still needed a manager. He still needed all this stuff. I am searching for a reason to not like Braun Strowman. I know everybody says they're anti-bullying, especially when they're watching WWE nowadays. Of course, I know, I know. I read all the JBL stuff. Of course, nobody likes a bully. But if nobody likes a bully, then how come everybody loved watching Kalisto get thrown in a garbage can? Explain to me that. If nobody likes bullies, then why is it so GD entertaining to watch Kalisto get thrown in a garbage can? I'll tell you, because sometimes in the right scenarios, this stuff is funny. People getting thrown in garbage cans is funny. Braun Strowman did not receive, he didn't come across like a bad guy when he threw Kalisto in the garbage can. He came across like, yeah, this guy rules. Just threw Kalisto in the trash. That's cool. You know, and, and I love Kalisto. We're not at risk of, of, you know, Kalisto becoming hated or anything like that. But he's not, like, the most loved guy ever. So to watch him get thrown in the trash is not an attack on my senses. It's kind of like, oh, that's fun. 
I didn't see that coming. So I don't know exactly uh, uh, how you handle the Braun Strowman thing. But if this is 15 years ago, you're riding this wave. If this is 15 years ago, you realize, okay, maybe we're on to something. We got Braun Strowman. You know, yeah, this is a guy who came from the Wyatt family who then just got separated for no reason except for the draft split. He's just on his own, and now all of a sudden he's the man, and everybody loves him. And it can work. You know, you're now dealing with a scenario where two years ago or a year and a half ago or whatever it was, when people were suggesting a Braun Strowman Undertaker match, you were like, Pshaw! What? Now, if the Undertaker weren't retired? Holy hell, yeah. Let's do it. I could see it happening next year at WrestleMania. I'm all for it. So, it's not making Roman Reigns' life any easier. The fact that everybody's like, oh my God, Braun Strowman's the man. It's almost like you want to distance. That's why, I mean, look. I'm not trying to give myself too much credit here. But if you remember, leading to WrestleMania, I said the WrestleMania match, first of all, I said the WrestleMania match you want to have is Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. That's your money match. I said that um, two months before WrestleMania. Then I said, okay, you're definitely doing Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. You got to do Braun Strowman versus Samoa Joe. Turn Braun Strowman into a good guy. I said you could have turned Braun Strowman into a good guy after the Roman Reigns match. Turn him into a good guy. Have him wrestle Samoa Joe. Like Braun Strowman is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. I know he's a monster. I know he's throwing luchadors in the garbage. But sometimes the heart wants what it wants. Uh-uh, uh-uh, aunts. There's not too much you can do about it. When a guy's throwing luchadors in the garbage and he's putting your number one good guy in an ambulance and flipping the mf -er over, guess what? You've got yourself a good guy. And that's what you got with Braun Strowman. The dude is a good guy. So I'm 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 curious to see what's going to happen at uh, Payback, and how they're going to handle the fact that this isn't like one of these. Well, some people cheer the bad guys. No, he's a good guy. And why would he be a bad guy? He doesn't cheat. He wants to fight people. He told he Big Show said pick on someone your own size. So Braun Strowman. Picked on someone his own size. He fought the Big Show and he won. Braun fought the Big Show and Braun won. So, the fact that he picked on somebody his own size and won would lead me to believe that he's not a bad guy. When you end up picking on someone your own size and you are the conqueror, you're a good guy. Plus, he's a good guy in real life. I saw on Instagram, he said, thank you, Big Show. That's a really nice thing to say. He's a good guy. <laughs> you know? I just... I I, I, I think that, that you're dealing with... A, and the fact that he's so big. Kids like big guys. You're a little kid. You're like, oh my God, look how big Braun Strowman is. Now imagine if he smiles at you. Oh, he's the best. Or if he doesn't smile. He doesn't even have to smile. You know, I, I don't think... I don't think that maybe everybody was aware of what they had with Braun Strowman when they first busted him onto the scene. But now it is what it is. And this dude is good to go. And he is a good guy. And he might be your top good guy.
It's one of those things where you might have to change plans because sometimes things don't work out. Is Braun Strowman the guy to beat Brock Lesnar? Yeah, you know, probably he is. Does Braun Strowman beating Brock Lesnar for that title make more sense than Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar for the title? Today? Right now, if you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Braun Strowman should beat Roman Reigns at payback. He should beat him. Roman already has a victory over Braun. You know, all that happened when when Roman... Here's what should happen. Braun Strowman needs to beat Roman Reigns at payback. Then after the match, Roman Reigns needs to kick the crap out of Braun Strowman. Full heel, which will end up getting cheered. Have Roman Reigns kick the crap out of Braun Strowman. Because guess what? We watched a Raw this week without Roman Reigns, and people were happy to see Braun Strowman. I think that tells you something. And then, look, if you have Braun Strowman beat uh, uh, Roman Reigns and then have Roman Reigns attack him, then you're interested in a Roman Reigns-Braun Strowman rematch. And after that, a Roman Reigns-Finn Balor match where everybody feels allowed to cheer for Finn Balor? Oh my God, the possibilities. Then Finn Balor has to beat Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship in order to win his title back? How do you like that for SummerSlam? SummerSlam's in August. It's going to be tough to keep Brock Lesnar off TV until August. I don't know, man. Look, if it's up to me, I have Brock Lesnar come back maybe at the, at the, at the July WWE Raw pay-per-view. I have Roman Reigns challenge him for the title and I have him lose. I know it's not going to happen. This is what I do. At SummerSlam, I have Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. I have Braun Strowman win. I lead up and lead up. I do something August, September, October. At some point, you know... You probably have Finn Balor win the Royal Rumble at that point in January and then have Finn Balor win the title from Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. That's my title match at WrestleMania, 34. Finn Balor defeating Braun Strowman. At this moment, we're a year away. I just booked a year in advance. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. Stupid. Everything's going to change by then. But still, that's how it works in my head. Speaking of far in advance... um, Let's remove ourselves from WWE TV for a minute. And let's talk about what was going on in the Twitterverse. Um, Daniel Bryan. Last week or earlier this week, I don't remember. A tweet went out uh, that was a video of his match with... It was John Cena and Daniel Bryan versus uh, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. And they said this match happened two years ago to the day or whatever it was. And... The WWE tweet said, who knew it would end up being Daniel Bryan's last match? Daniel Bryan retweets that and says, can't believe it, two years ago today, my last match in a WWE ring. Ladies and germs, mark my words. I don't know what the status of Daniel Bryan's contract is. I don't don't know. 
I do not think he wants to be hosting Talking Smack. I think that that is a shame because he is very, very good at hosting Talking Smack. But I don't think he wants to be hosting that show. I think he is hosting that show in order to get the dates off of his contract. I think once his contract is up, he's having a kid. I don't think it's going to change everything. I think Daniel Bryan will never return to full-time wrestling. He'll certainly not return to a WWE ring, I don't think. But I believe within a couple of years, however long it is before he can get out of his contract, Daniel Bryan is going to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome. Remember this. Mark down the date in your calendar. Save the audio. Daniel Bryan is going to be wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. Period. Yeah, and, and, and again, I don't know how these contracts work. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly when it will be because I, if I did, I would, I would say something. But I believe that he'll be in the Tokyo Dome. And if, it's, if you had to ask me to guess what for, I'm, it may be optimistic. I believe that we will see a Brian Danielson-Okada match in the Tokyo Dome. I believe that's going to happen. The only way that doesn't happen is if WWE signs Okada or if there's some kind of terrible injury, which you hope never happens. But if there's if there's some kind of... Unless WWE can sign Okada, I believe, I'm putting on my Nostradamus hat, that we will see Daniel Bryan versus Okada in the Tokyo Dome. And maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that if you tweet me at NotSam. But I think it'll happen. I absolutely think it'll happen with every fiber of my being. Is it a good idea? I can't tell you. I'm not a doctor. You know? I've been led to believe that WWE has very, very good uh, head doctors, concussion doctors. I've been led to believe that concussions are very serious. If it were up to me, sounds like a very, very bad idea for Daniel Bryan to wrestle again. But it's not up to me, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a wrestler. I'm a last professional broadcaster, you know? If you want my opinion on whether or not somebody's going to broadcast, I will tell you with, with authority. But this one, I, I don't know whether it's a good idea or not. It's a good idea for fans. It's going to be cool for us to see it. Daniel Bryan, I don't think, is going to go and wrestle for New Japan regularly. Hey, I could see him doing a tour or something. But I don't think it's going to be something he regularly does. Because I think he's going to, be want, he's going to want to be at home with his wife and his kid. And yeah, I, I think even he would tell you that the injuries have stacked up. And it's probably not the best idea in the world for him to be back on any type of full-time schedule. But that said, I don't think he's had his last match. I don't think he feels like he's had his last match. And I think he's going to have a match with Okada in the Tokyo Dome at some point. Hear me now or hear me never. This has been Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to scoop yourself up a shirt at notsam.com slash merch. Don't forget to please leave a rating and a review on iTunes for this podcast. It helps more than you know. Just go to iTunes, click the review, click, click the rating thing. And leave me a rating and leave me a review, and it really, really helps. Appreciate all you guys uh, for being fans of this show, but more importantly, being fans of professional wrestling and rolling with me on this uh, crazy, crazy journey. We'll be back next week to break down payback and uh, maybe talk about what's going on on the pre-show for that pay-per-view. Hmm? 
See you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.